This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. This is Sports Charlotte, the podcast about, guess what, sports in Charlotte. My name is Herb White. I'm editor-in-chief at the Charlotte Post. It is Friday, February 16, 2024. Eddie Pope is a big name in U.S. soccer circles. Today, he is doing things a little bit differently. Uh, Back in his playing days, he was uh, one of the godfathers of Major League Soccer, uh, part of that growing up phase for the league in the U.S. He is today sporting director at Carolina Core FC, which is an MLS Next Pro team that starts play next month. And this legendary figure played for the U.S. national team, played with D.C. United, and before that, he was a standout at North Carolina. So, he's been around. He's seen some stuff in this sport. Like I said, he's doing some new things now. He's front office. And we had a chance to uh, talk about this new challenge of starting a franchise from the ground up, being a trailblazer in terms of his soccer career as a player, and also now uh, as a front office person uh, who is starting a new endeavor. And let's just cut to the chase. And how are you today, Eddie? I'm well, I can't complain. Uh, Excellent, excellent. It's a beautiful Carolina day. It's still sunny outside and all that other good stuff. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate you uh, joining me today to talk a little bit about Carolina Core and MLS Next Pro and all the other things that are soccer related that you're working on these days. Yes, yeah. You're obviously you have North Carolina roots and they run deep, uh, played collegiately here and went on to really big things with the U.S. national team as well as in Major League Soccer. Um, You've been at the job for a little while now. Your first match is right around the corner. How does it feel? Obviously, it feels great, you know, to uh, to be able to be at home where I'm from, um, an area that I feel like has always deserved a uh, professional soccer club, um, you know, in, in the Carolina core area. And um, so, I, you know, even that in and of itself, I think is is fantastic. But to be able to be a part of that um, is a great feeling. And like I said, to be able to do it in my own backyard um, is, is something that I never thought would have happened. So, Yeah, literally, <laughs> your backyard. Yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, talk a little bit about that, because anyone who knows anything about U.S. soccer knows the name Eddie Pope, uh, just like. Most would know the name of your head coach, Roy Lassiter. Uh, you guys have been interwoven in the history of the sport in this uh, in this region and in this country. Uh, but in terms of the the North Carolina connectivity of it, when I talked to Roy, uh, he said that you know when he was a 
when he was a younger person, that youth soccer was really big. And obviously, it's changed quite a bit now. It's not only the youth and collegiate soccer that's a big deal in this state, but now there's also professional soccer. There's teams <laughs> almost everywhere. You go up and down the I-85 corridor, there's a professional team in those markets. Uh, talk a little bit about that. And if you could transport yourself back 20, 30 years, would you have believed if older today's Eddie would have gone back then and told younger Eddie that this would be where we are in 2024? Would you have believed that? No, absolutely not. And, um, you know, although the sport was 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 growing, it was bigger. We we're in Roy's area, so the Raleigh-Durham-Chapel Hill area was a little bit bigger. Charlotte was a, it was a the, the sport was was getting there and was big. Um, and then I would say in High Point Greensboro and Salem, maybe it was a little behind, but it caught up really quickly. Um, so then you kind of had a nice little overall map of of youth soccer that was kind of born out of the 70s grassroots soccer, and it was starting to become more prominent. Um, of course, all the universities in, in the area helped because then you had some some soccer coaches that were from other countries um, and you had places to kind of go as a player and get a little more knowledge because it wasn't on television. Um, it was nowhere to watch it. Uh, so the, the the best place that you were going to get um, your soccer information from was going to be a college campus. So you could go maybe watch the games. You could go to the soccer camps in the summer from those those colleges and universities. And, and that certainly helped build things up. And to your point, um, although it's taken a while, the sport has certainly continued. Every year we've got bigger and bigger and bigger um, on the both the boys and the girls side. And so it, that's kind of why I said in the beginning, you know, now it's almost like, gosh, it's been around a long time. It, it's this area deserves a professional team and a real professional player pathway so that now a kid could go back and say, or I could go back and say, hey, you can start a wreck. You can go what we call travel, um, and you can go into um, sort of the, the upper echelons of the travel soccer, which may be in ECNL, but now there's MLS Next Pro, MLS Next, I'm sorry, MLS Next, and then MLS Next Pro, and then MLS. You, there's, a, there's like a written design pathway for you now, and that is the ultimate. Before, it was just kind of like, I go to college, maybe if I'm good enough, and then maybe I could become professional, but there's no pro league in the United States. Now I got to go to Europe. And over time, it's just like all the pieces just sort of slowly uh, put themselves together. And now we have a nice snapshot of what it looks like to start as a kid who's dreaming to becoming a professional. And you talked about uh, the high point triad area and being at least a little bit behind early on in building out the soccer culture. Uh, it sounds like in some ways, the core is the manifestation of you've arrived, at least to this level, in terms of being able to put a professional club in the middle of North Carolina, as opposed to Charlotte, which is just about in South Carolina, and yeah. the triangle, which isn't that far from Virginia. Yeah, yeah, well, I, I'd agree with that for sure. It, it's like smack dab in the middle of the state, um, and, and and I think you know you have players that or maybe in Raleigh, um, who are really good players, uh, can kind of look and say, wow, you know, now I'm, I don't have to go all the way to Charlotte to get it to be a part of this uh, professional pathway. 
Um, and you have players, of course, who are in Highpoint, Greensboro, and Salem area that say the same thing. I don't have to go all the way to Charlotte uh, to access this professional player pathway. Um, so it's, you know, I think it's it's located perfectly. And, um, and it, it kind of goes back to me that this centralized area, the core, that has been a soccer-rich area for a long time, um, has arrived and finally has that professional player pathway. Understanding that you were one of those guys who made it to the highest levels without that ladder system of going up to MLS, you know, 20, 30 years ago, it was strictly hit or miss. Either you could by some happenstance or you didn't. Uh, talk a little bit about that experience of making it to Major League Soccer and the men's national team and how you can impart that along with Roy to the young people who are now in your charge with your club. It definitely was hit or miss. You know, I, I think, you know, who knows what the percentages are, right? But it's it's extremely rare. Um, and uh, and I think we both, both Roy and I realized that, as, as do other players who are from other parts of the country who made the national team, that's already a rare thing. Uh, playing professionally is a, is a rare thing. Um, so I, I think that because it was hit or miss or the flip of a coin, um, is is the one reason why you want to have sort of that laid out pathway, and it kind of tells you um, how to get there, how you know how to stay on track. This is the direction you should be going in if things are going well for you, and it's just so much easier, not only for players but for parents too. And everybody can kind of get an understanding that this is how you get from point A to point B. And I think the best thing that that Roy and I can do is um, not only to the players we're coaching, but some of the younger players in the area is, is you're really just imparting the on-field knowledge that you have um, that we've, we've, you know, been able to, to gain over the years of being professional uh, soccer players. And that's, that could be through coaching. Um, you know, that could be through younger players, just observing the professional team that's in their area and watching you know, practice and games and how players move and what they do, what they say, um, all those visuals that for me, um, it wasn't until I was older, really, I only had that as, you know, I had to go watch a college game or something like that. And now the, the kids have it at, a, they, they can see real professionals that are doing that. Um, and of course now it's on TV too. So it's even, it's even better. But I think having, being able to, to directly affect kids in a training session um, or in a, you know, maybe you're watching them play a game and then you can comment and help them with things. I mean, the knowledge that that we're going to have and the rest of my staff um, has, we're obviously going to help our professional players, but we can also help, I would say, younger players in the area as well. What's the turnout been like in terms of uh, players reaching out to you saying, hey, I want to try out or, you know, I want to buy some tickets or whatever. What's been the uh, public reaction, uh, not only in the triad area, but just North Carolina period? Yeah. I, well, I mean, hundreds, you know, I, you know, it's because players, it's not just North Carolina, it's the whole country. I mean, I would say we received emails, direct, e direct emails from players, but um, mostly from agents um, that uh, are interested in the, in the team.
And when we this, the team first started, one of the things I was saying to to everyone is that you, you'll see it'll be it, it'll be you, you kind of like raise an eyebrow, but people around the world know about the club. You know, it's just, it's just because the world is so much smaller now because of social media and uh, because of technology. And, you know, you can tell people, like, oh, yeah, yeah, right. You know, but then very quickly you can start telling where people are, um, you know, viewing the Instagram accounts. You can see where these things are coming from. We're getting, um, you know, emails and stuff from agents, from players all over the world. We have players on our club now that are from, from France and Argentina, um, et cetera. And so I think that that's, I think, been an eye opener for a lot of people. Um, but the interest has been very, very high because people can, they understand the pathway. They understand you do well in MLS, MLS Next Pro, your next step would be MLS. Um, and, and the market has done a really good job at identifying that, understanding it. And then, again, as players see these things, they try to be a part of it. Well, one of the things that I talked to Roy about uh, ultimately came down to promotion and promotion. You want to be able to promote players up to that MLS level. You also want to promote Carolina Core to an audience that will show up and watch games and support the club. Uh, as the person who is running things, uh, not necessarily asking you to which one is the most important, but okay, I will. Which one is more important to you? It's a balance, I think. Um, and and you, you ultimately have to get the balance right. Um, we are... MLS Next Pro across the country is a what you maybe would some would say is a developmental league. It's a serious league. Um, it's an extremely difficult league to play in, um, and but it is a developmental league, and where you're bringing in players that are kind of almost there, or that you might see have the potential to be there, and it's our job to prepare them for that uh, and, and move them on. And at the same time, it's our job uh, to win games. Uh, and put a a a product on the field that people want to see, that people want to come back week in and week out, that people want to be fans of. Um, and so that part is important too. So it, it really is a balance. And, um, you know, we aren't really a club that would, could bring in, you know, all these super experienced older guys that are never going to maybe play in MLS just because we want to win everything. Um, but then we can also bring in 15-year-olds because we're going to develop them and move them to MLS. So we have to find the middle ground of that balance. And really what that ends up being is a mixture of experienced and younger players. And to that end, because like you said, there's this, there's globalization now. Uh, Core is not a homegrown team necessarily. Is that, or is that something that you are cognizant of that you would like to be able to develop North Carolina kids or is that just what you know what it's a global game and you're trying to get the best fit no matter where you get these guys yeah it's it's it is um sometimes it happens that way when there are, are kids in north carolina that are talented enough absolutely we want them um involved and we want them um some way involved with the club right and uh and i think we'll we will do that in the future i think you'll see that that we will continue to, um, to help develop even younger players in order to get them ready to be a part of the MLS Next Pro team. Um, that's what our MLS Next Youth program is for. Um, and for this area, this is going to be fantastic because it is a free-of-charge program. Youth soccer is outrageously expensive. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we are 
making that free really changes things, I think, in this area, because now you have uh, certain demographics that would maybe never come out and play um, who are good enough. Well, now you they'll now show up. Um, and, and then I think, you know, it also works in the other direction where there are really good players who understand the the pathway, who want to come and play for the club, who are from, again, where this France, Spain, Argentina, like the players we have now, um, or different parts of the country come here and fall in love with North Carolina and want to stay here. Um, so I think we kind of have that, we kind of have it going this way. Uh, and sorry, going in both directions. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, so I think, again, it's it's a mixture, um, maybe as opposed to a balance this time of some North Carolina kids that are good, maybe South Carolina, Virginia, within the area, players from other countries. And um, and and we really like that, that mix. There is a point where you're looking for the best players that fit within this, a certain mold. And I think when you do that, you end up with a, a group of players who are from all over and they get to experience each other's cultures and styles of play. And it just makes everyone better. Yeah. When you talk about demographics, uh, soccer has long had its own demographic issues to address. Mm -hmm. And Carolina Corps is that rare club in the United States where the leadership, not only on the field, but in the front office, is led by black men. Yeah. How rare is that? And do you think about that? Yeah, we. I, I certainly think about it. I think it's extremely rare. And um, and I think for me, part of it is about opportunity. Um, you, you talk about looking for the best, the best at, at what they do. And, and then you have to think about over time, has the best always been chosen to do something? Um, is, the, is the best at times just sort of being left on the sidelines? Uh, and, and if so, why? And so for me, um, it was important to first and foremost find the best. So that that's what you're looking for best. And then I think once you can kind of check that box, then you can start to look at the overall picture. Okay, well, I have the best. Who's the best that can fit within um, what these kids need, what the players need? And so obviously for our goalkeeper coach, uh, uh, Donovan Ricketts, who was an MLS, best MLS goalkeeper uh, in the league. And then we have myself, defender of the year in the league and in uh, U.S. soccer. Um, we're Lassiter, golden boot winner, record held for 10, 15 years. Um, and then we have Amado Guevara, who was an MLS MVP and MVP of Copa America. Um, then you have Andy Williams, MLS Cup champion, Open Cup champion. I think four out of five of us have won MLS Cups. Several of, of us have won Open Cups. And all but one of us have played in World Cups. So we we made sure we checked almost every box you could possibly find. And those individuals just happened to be black men and a Latino. So for me, it was a it was very easy, right? Looking for the best. All right, but these are the here are the best right here. Uh, so because I think sometimes if you flip it, you start doing it the other way around. Yeah, maybe people ask questions, maybe they don't. But for me, it was who 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 can I think of that when they're coaching, they're going to know their position so well that they'll be imparting knowledge that other coaches can't, or maybe don't have the knowledge to be able to do so. Um, not necessarily because they can't coach, but um, maybe they haven't had those experiences. But that's a lot of hardware on this on this club. It's a lot. It's a lot. And and for me, it was, hey, you know, there are these guys that are just kind of out here. And um, and it's in the study of question, why aren't they off coaching somewhere? Why aren't they 
um, off doing this or doing that. And uh, so for me, again, it was it was an easy choice. I know them all. That was the other, you know, big part of it. You start to look at character, um, coaching styles, and and things like that. So it it was it was an easy fit. In terms of geography, you know, you're talking about High Point. Crown FC is right down the road in Charlotte, barely an hour away. Uh, and you square off against each other in your first match as a as a franchise. Mm -hmm. uh, what is that going to look like? And and does what ingredients do you need to have a really good rivalry uh, besides that proximity? Well, I think proximity is is is, is a lot of it, right? Um, and then I, maybe this the second thing are just fans, right? You see where the fans take it. Um, sometimes if you if you try to kind of fabricate it, it can come off as, you know, a little bit too planned or whatever. But um, I think the fans will jump in there. Um, as we grow out, our fan base, we're new. So we need to kind of see how that goes. But um, I think at the end of the day, you know, the fans are kind of the ones who kind of carry that that baton. Yeah, because the, I guess if you're talking about the literal great state of Mecklenburg versus whoever else in North Carolina, that becomes its own thing anyway. And so it, it carries yeah. over. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, as a startup, I know there's all kinds of moving parts, but as an independent startup, there's got to be a couple of extra, extra moving parts. Talk a little bit about the process of getting not only a club off the ground, but doing it sort of like a high wire, right? There is no, MLS first team netting underneath. Yeah, I, I think the first thing, and it's, it's always the case, especially with independent clubs, but I would say professional franchises, period, is that it, it's all about the ownership group. And if you have a good ownership group, then things are going to go the way they should. Um, if you don't, then they're probably a little bit bumpy, be a little bit rocky. Um, you may make it or you may not make it. Um, so I think that for me, the most important thing is ownership group. And we have a fantastic ownership group. Um, and sometimes people say that, oh, you know, our owners are great and all that. I mean, I'm telling you, we genuinely have a, a wonderful ownership group. They're from the area. Um, they're from High Point. And um, I've been in, a, in several clubs. And, and I can say that they are top notch. And I think that that has been um, the catalyst in making sure that this project has gotten off the ground smoothly. And you know, being an independent tub club, it's tough. I mean, we would say we're the first. It could be obviously uh, Rochester was in there. Um, they had some issues. Um, ho hopefully they will come back. Rochester is a club that's has a ton of history um, in 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 the sport. So I really hope they they're able to kind of come back and be a part of this. But um, but I say for us and other independent clubs will experience the same thing. I mean, you don't have kind of the the mothership, the flagship of of a first team. You know, you don't have access to training facilities, right? You don't have access to, um, to say respectfully, right, cash. You don't have access to, um, you know, staffing. You know, some of these clubs, they can move staff up and down and back and forth and, and they can give people double assignments and they can, you know, and they can do a lot a lot of things. And so when you're independent, you are independent. You can, you're on your own and you, you are figuring all that stuff out. Um, so see a, a one a difficulty is, right, you, you can't just kind of reach over to the other side and pull some resources over here, whether it's manpower, money, who, who knows, right? But um, th that I think I would say 
could be a difficulty. And then the other side, maybe it's helpful sometimes because you don't have maybe that, so that group that's above you dictating what happens with the independent club. Whether that's from a player standpoint, hey, we want these players this week. They're coming with us and you're left with, oh, okay, well, now we don't have these three guys that we really love. Um, there's some autonomy that you have as an independent team that I think is uh, is, is uh, freeing and, um, and certainly uh, welcomed. And so I think the, the independent teams are, are like that part of it. And in, and then you kind of get to have your own identity. Now, moving forward, I do think some of the MLS Next Pro teams that are attached to MLS teams um, will continue to try to get the, have their own identity, like, you know, Charlotte has done. Um, you know, D.C. United, their team will be in Baltimore. Um, you've seen Huntsville right there down there. Uh, Nashville's up the road. So I think you'll start to see some some more of that. But for as an independent team, we already have that. We don't have to to go and do it. So that's that part. I think everybody really likes. Yeah. So for you, you are the first team. We're the first team. We're the first team, and the players. And you talk about where? Okay. Well, do they have to wait for the first team to train when you're at an MLS club? Do they have to go train elsewhere and you know be off site or something like that? You you are playing second fiddle, which is how it should be. That's the pecking order. Um, but for us, every you know, players really feel like they're the top guys, um, and and the focus is on them. Uh, you talked about striking balances earlier uh, between the the players that you're bringing in, the the coaching staff, those types of things. Uh, do you see this as uh, as an opportunity because you are looking for balance? Is this something where it's like, well, you know what? We're going to balance the winning versus the development, or is there a, another factor that goes into what you consider to be a successful franchise or a successful first season? No, I think that's I think that's well said. I mean, you you, you certainly need to balance that winning with the development. Um, you know, there there may be some young players that really need some development, and and you have to figure out a way to get them on the field and still win games. And um, so I, I think there's 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 no getting around that that needed balance uh, with the club. And so I think it's certainly a focus of ours, it's something that we think about daily and how we continue to maintain it. Um, but I, I think that that is that will be the case for. For a lot of independent teams, I think they'll they'll have to to figure out how to make that work. Mm -hmm. uh, is there a blueprint for how do you get things rolling as a, as a first year club, or do you take some experiences that you may have seen in other places and apply them here? Yeah, I, I think that, especially our coaching staff, um, you know, they've all been head coaches elsewhere. So for me, that was another kind of important factor and that I looked at and was in, in that, you know, either one of them, any one of them could come and run a full training session like that, it would be nothing to them. And that's not easy to do. That's that's very complicated in the coaching world. Um, and so I think that that was important for me. And it was it was it was something that I felt like when we're all in the same room and we've got all these gentlemen who have been, um, they've run their own clubs. One coached um, the Puerto Rican national team. Um, he's coaching the Olympics. And to be able to have that, that brain power in the room uh, was going to only help us come out with um, with the right answer. And so um, I think that that was so important. 
And I, I've watched it in action over the first week. Uh, and it's, thank goodness, it, it's working as planned. So I think you kind of look at that and say, okay, was well, that a blueprint? No, I, that's not a blueprint. And so I think you can kind of say, well, here's what's kind of been done in the past. Um, I think we can do it better. I think we have a certain type of individual in the room. I think that's going to make things better, um, you know, with all their knowledge and the playing experience, coaching experience. Um, so I, I think, you know, you are flying by the seat of your pants a little bit, but, um, you know, I trust that. I've, I've, I've had to trust that throughout my playing career, and these guys have had to do the same thing. Um, and I say from a front office standpoint, I mean, the individuals who have launched teams before. And um, so that's, you really need that. You really need people who have who've been there, done that before, and helped launch not only one team, but more than one team. And you know, you start looking at marketing and things like that. You got to have somebody who's done that before. Um, advertising, same thing. Social media. You start to you need some some pe some pieces in place so that you know everything's not like, hey, this is my first time doing this. Let's you know cross our fingers and figure it out. Yeah, you need some people who've seen this before. You've seen it before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and can help guide not only you know you know you're just looking at some pieces. If you don't get these right, it, it, you're just adding time to. Um, to success, right? Before you can reach it. And um, so I, I think that that, that that was really important. And that is also, that's another part of it that, that's worked really well. I mean, our front office staff is fantastic, uh, very knowledgeable, uh, very professional, and it's helped other, everything else go much more smoothly. Understanding that MLS Next Pro is a developmental league, it's the step below MLS for players and coaches. But I would also imagine administrators, front office folks. Is that something that you have in mind as well for yourself and your staff that you want to be able to get these folks promoted to other MLS clubs is, or even the front office in New York? And, and is that something that you even entertain? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I always say, and, and yes, that is a theme of the entire club. And that's, from the ownership down, they've made that clear that that's this is we're not we aren't only developing players. We want to develop other people in the front office and coaches and what have you, and that has been um, communicated very clearly and, and very well. And so I think it's up to the you know individuals um, and what they want to do. And I think it's you know everyone's kind of like yeah you know I'm, I'm open to anything. I'm going to see how it goes. And I've said the coaches. I've said the same thing to players as well. You know, maybe you want to get to the MLS level and or maybe you really like it here and you want to stay. We're open to whatever. And uh, I think the ownership group would say the same. Um, if people want to kind of take that next step and it makes sense for them, they're, then they're open to it and, and they would they would help that. And same thing we'd say as coaches and administrators and things like that to the players. Yeah, because I, think, I would imagine, you know, just like with other under the major league banner, you know, there's a, a minor league perception. Mm -hmm. that the minors is for you to get to the majors, but not everybody can get there. And yeah. so it, it becomes a community unto itself. Is, is that something that you're looking at with, with this particular experience that, you know, there may be some people who are perfectly okay with being Carolina core for life. Yeah. I, and, and there's no doubt in my mind that that will happen. I think people like um, North Carolina in general. Um, 
I know people who haven't been here before, like High Point, like Greensboro, Winston-Salem, you know, all the way over to Pittsburgh. And her, I mean, it, people like this area. It's, it's easy to like, right? And so I think that uh, for sure there will be people that say, yeah, I like it here. Um, I like being the first team. Um, and, you know, there is an element as well, if, you know, when you maybe jump up to that next level, depending on where it is, it's a little bit riskier. So you have to be careful with that too, because the one thing that, that I think will happen with Carolina core and other independent teams, um, is that while we see a lot of players and agents and people calling and want to be part of the team, you see the same thing in front office. There are a lot of, uh, resumes sent in. How can I be a part of this? It looks like fun. This is what I've always wanted to do. We have how many universities around us in this area? Kids are graduating every year and want to jump into sports. Sports are a lot of fun. And so, um, you know, there's an opportunity. You you know, you you leave and you your, your, your spot becomes an opportunity for somebody. It's going to get taken. So I think people weigh all of those things. Uh, and so it, it, it certainly won't be, which I think is a good thing, a uh, an easy decision with someone says, yeah, I've had enough here because I'm, I'm just, I'm just out. I think it will always be something that will be difficult for someone to leave. Yeah. Well, again, it's been an, an honor to, uh, to talk to you and uh, to get some experience and some knowledge from you about the process of putting together Carolina Corps. Uh, much success to you uh, in your you. first season and going forward and uh, North Carolina and soccer are better to have you here. So uh, thank you. thanks for thank everything you. and uh, much success uh, with the first year and going forward. Thank you so much. And I appreciate you, of course, having me on for sure. So there you go. Eddie Pope, legendary soccer player who now transitions over to soccer executive. Love to see it. Thanks so much for listening to Sports Charlotte on Queen City Podcast Network as well as Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Also, you can check us out on our website, thecharlottepost.com. And for all you soccer aficionados out there, you know, whether you are an old head or just tuning into the sport, since it is growing like weeds around here these days, check out our weekly newsletter from Queen City Football Chronicle, QCFC. It's been around since 2016. It is the oldest, most advanced, and most diverse soccer-specific vertical in the state of North Carolina. I can say that without any reservation. Go to our website, thecharlottepost.com, and become a subscriber. We can use all the subscribers we can get. Stay informed with what's happening with soccer, not only in Charlotte, but across the rest of the state. Men's soccer, women's soccer, because there's a lot of that going on these days too with two professional leagues in this state with teams. So we are all over it and we're doing it for you. So subscribe to our newsletter, QCFC. Go to thecharlottepost.com. Sign up today. Do not hesitate. So until next time, for everybody here at the Charlotte Post, my name is Herb White. Thanks for listening. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com. Queen City